Welcome to the Port Charles Update with your hosts, Mish and Mel. Hello. Hello. Oh my gosh, it's wedding time. It it was a week. Like it was a week of shows. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all the shows. So, so everybody, Avery has a stomach bug and she can't travel. She can't do this trip. Oh my goodness. So sad. They gave her a fictional disease (laughs) to save, to save money on this wedding. Like why do you think, (laughs) you know what I mean? You know? I mean, they had a lot of new sets. New sets. So I'm just thinking, okay, does that balance out? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But for whatever reason, they did not want Avery at this wedding. Okay. So we it starts the week where we find out, like, Avery's just not coming on this trip. But the kids that were, were a surprise to Nina on the jet plane. Oh, leaving on a jet plane. I, you know, it's so funny to watch because, like, yeah, we've been word. watching. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it's so hard for me, like I'm in the moment, but I'm also having like video flashbacks to Nixon fall. I'm thinking about all the hardship that's happened since. And it's like watching a sideshow. Yeah. Like it, it, yeah, it's definitely been weird, like awkward. Like so weird. So, I mean, look, I think it's a good thing actually, right? Because we're feeling the weirdness of this family. Willow set it up last week, right? She was like, really just us? Like, cause they could blend <laughs> in in a large wedding, but now we're seeing it. So now everyone has decided they're like, we're going to be family. We're going to be family. We're going to do it on this plane and we're going to try this out. And remember all of this, this bonding that supposedly happened between Willow and Nina, it happened off screen. So yes. now out of nowhere, we're watching girl talk and we're watching Christina hosts the girl talk. Christina, the one vying to be like number one, one. (laughs) anybody's number one. So if she has to be the number one Sunny and Nina cheerleader, that is what she'll be. If she has, if she wants to be Nina's favorite kid next to her own like biological daughter. So Christina is beyond excited. She is beyond excited. And everyone's sitting there, but it was just, it was just a lot for me. It was such a subtle thing to ask, but everything is loaded. Everything is loaded because of everything you just said. The year that we watched, all the drama, Nixon Falls, everything that unfolded. So when Christina says something as tiny as, oh, oh, the great Nina procrastinates and then ask Willow, are, are you organized? Like trying to compare mother-daughter treats. That was like something everything you're so right so watching it like I rewatched those scenes a couple of times because there was the groupings you know like yeah Sunny and Michael trying to navigate light conversation but talking about love and then you have tr- them trying to figure out commonality so when she said like Nina you're a procrastinator all I kept thinking is yeah she procrastinated on telling his family that he was actually alive and not dead <laughs> continue <laughs> like everything was that in my brain right oh my god you know what me too me too I had all these quick comebacks after everything we had to endure because again every single line I felt was loaded but again so many double entendres I guess in a way too because but also this kind of bugged me though like in talking about being organized what I did not appreciate 
was when Willow started to say like, oh, Michael is not as organized. And then like uh, um, Christina starts to go, yeah, like he's a CEO and stuff, but like organization is not his thing. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm sorry, this is so weird. This late in the game to start going, yeah, Michael's sloppy. It's like, no, he's meticulous and calculating. What are you talking about? I think like for me, the way I took that is that like for me in work, like in work, I have to be super organized. I have to talk to people all day long. And that does affect when I come home that sometimes I just don't want to make a decision and I don't feel chatty 24 seven. I'm going to keep things short when I come home sometimes just because you're so out of it. So like, that's kind of how I place with Michael in his job. He has to be so specific in certain ways that when he comes home, he knows he can rely on Willow for certain things because it's a partnership. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he can rely on Willow to just use her brain for, for, <laughs> yeah in their, in their at relationship times, at times but like that's the thing like that was all the little stuff that made it weird it was like okay right? so now so this is a soap opera but we're gonna spend all this time talking about who's organized and who's not but I feel like that really <laughs> added to that experience right of this awkwardness of everyone just trying to look past everything and just move on with the here and now. And then on the other side to that, you have Michael and Sonny, mostly Sonny just testing Michael's love. Like, why are you here, Michael? Why are you here, Michael? You don't have to come, Michael. Why did you come? Why did you come? You could have came. She could have came a lot. I was like, oh my gosh. I just desperate for his love. Desperate just to hear the words. And I just felt like Michael and Sonny were just in that like beginning flirty stage of a relationship. You know, like Michael with his coy little smiles and the exchanges it was just really really funny to watch which is why like I did that reel because all I heard when I was watching those two talk was do you love me like that's all I heard honestly same it was so fun to watch though and it it still kind of continued throughout the week of the wedding of Sunny just like double checking and triple checking quadruple checking that Michael loves him and is there and it will be consistently there So all of this awkwardness on the plane, but then they arrive. Okay, and this is where I feel a little bit vindicated because Christina was not being shy about like her positioning, Michael's positioning in the family. Like she was really angling to be Sonny's favorite. Like there's even moments, for instance, where they're on the island and when Michael says something like, oh, I forgot about all this stuff, Christina makes a point of saying, really? Because you were the one here the most. Which I found so interesting for so many different reasons. Again, like all of these different layers to the conversations, because yes, sometimes they went down as a family for vacation, but a lot of the times they were sent to the island was for their protection. Yes, that part didn't come up. It was all very romantic, right? Like mm-hmm. the, it, I found it to be such an interesting setting because... You know, the older they got, you couldn't really ship them off. Exactly. And so it definitely was this like childhood place. You know, it was away from the dangers of Port Charles. So you're right. They were sent away for their protection. So meaning it was more of like a safe, loose place to be. I just find it like, I I guess, like historic because we always hear about the island and it actually has been a long time since the audience has gone to the island. Yes. So I found that there was a lot there and I found like a lot of what Christina had to say was all quite pointed, picking up from her conversation last week with Dante, where she kept, when he said something like, 
Sonny and Michael have to start from somewhere if they want to get back to where they were. Like Dante carved a new place in Sonny's life in Michael's absence, but Dante did that consciously. Like he knew that a lot of the space he had with Sonny was due to Michael not being around. And he Mm -hmm. did point that out, uh, Dante, but I felt like he was quite secure in what he had with Sonny. You know what I mean? Like not so much. I don't feel Dante threatened by Michael. Oh no. Um, But I do feel that Christina is. I think for multiple reasons. We know that she is, as an adult, finally doing something that she feels good about, establishing herself. But the one thing she's always kind of been lacking is, like, the sole love of a parent. Like, her position with her sisters is unfortunately strange. And it's hard to watch sometimes that she's kind of, like, the, the villain of the whole situation. And then with Sunny he adores her and he loves her and you can see that and they're very similar in terms of their personality but like it or not he's close with Michael it doesn't change their love but I think Christina like you said it's it's about the number one it's not about like Dante carving out the space so she's struggling in so many ways and putting a lot of emphasis on this but I think they're showing it in this way until she is fulfilled in her career and with a partnership which we saw that Blaze had texted her I don't know. It's Christina. And I don't know how (laughs) that is that she'll just find her own space in the world. And suddenly (laughs) she won't care about her positioning or her, like this whole sibling rivalry storyline that I do feel they are putting out there because, you know, not only does Christina kind of point out Michael's presence at the Island, but also in (laughs) Sunny's life, she makes the point when she's alone with her dad, making a joke in which Sunny stays silent. yes so silent right it's like oh you know your favorite kid is here you know and then she points out I was the only one like to support (laughs) you guys and it's just the campaign is not subtle it's not subtle at all and I mean Sunny tries his best to give Christina what she needs but yes I am so much looking forward to what happens because they're like you said there's just so many layers to all of this right there's Michael there's his relationship with Sonny there's a specific you know conflict he's had with Nina over the years while his dad was dead there's you know Willow and Nina once the secret comes out but I am so curious as to what this will do to Christina I don't really know right because she's at this wedding as the sole supporter the sole supporter, the person who never questioned anything. And she's getting prized for this. Thank you so much for not thinking twice and for embracing Nina with open arms without question. I I love it so much because it's like the way I saw her this week, I felt like I was looking at a cartoon character that's obsessed with love and perfection. She would see, it even looked like she was like photobombing their vows when they were saying their vows at the altar. Like all you saw was their heads and her head in the middle. It was so funny. Like, it's, it's, it's funny to hear you say that because I, cause you said like obsessed with love and perfection. That's not what I saw. I saw someone who was so happy to be important and included because she had because she had more of an in with Nina and with Sunny right she was in Sunny's life when Michael wasn't she was um embracing Nina when Willow wasn't yes you know what I mean so she's almost sort of like the ambassador of the Sunny yes and Nina relationship and I think she was so happy to be this involved and honestly 
her happiness, I can't help but see it as the flip side of Joss. So, so the thing is like when Dex went to go see Jocelyn, Mm -hmm. I was shocked. She didn't know, but I found the scenes to be so interesting because as the story progressed, like we all know how she felt about Sonny, how, how much she hated him, how angry she was. But when the whole USB key thing happened and there was this real conversation that happened where Carly's like, we have to put an end to it. This is where kid Joss came out. And at the end of the day, like this is the reality, you know, and I think this is a bit about what the story is. Yes. These are all adult children, but it really is about that like child parent dynamic. You know, it is why Michael was so hurt and betrayed because it was his dad and he felt like he lost his dad and he tantrumed instead of, you know, talking about feelings And Joss basically admitted that like, you know, Sonny was her family and he really hurt her. And so at the end of the day, I think for Jocelyn, the idea is very childlike. You know what I mean? Like you expect to tantrum, you expect to do your worst, but you do expect that adult parent figure to kind of always be there. Yes. And I think that Joss felt very safe. We, we could tell she felt very safe with Sunny because not only did she push him in all sorts of ways, she knew there would never be a consequence, really. Yes. And when I watched her, I mean, Joss can be something, but like my heart kind of broke for her. It because, did. Because, you know, like all of this time, you know, like Sunny was sort of hers in a sense, like mm. you can see the, like, like they actually emphasize Joss and Sonny's relationship over the past year more yes. than with Christina. Absolutely. And they have hinted right at that, like Christina Joss conflict, like the last scenes with the old Christina poking at Joss to come into the family photo, for instance. Mm hmm. And then to be like, Sunny, you know, wanted it to be just the family and to kind of Mm -hmm. like, that was a really big statement that she was severed from the family. But even I, at that point got confused because I'm like, but wasn't Sunny the one that was really hurt when Michael kind of said like, Joss is not yours, you know, like she's not your family that, that Sunny walks around saying that Joss is like a daughter to him. Mm Mm-hmm. So I just found that kind of interesting that like, why didn't he go to Joss? I mean, I think we all know the obvious reason, but I guess I just felt like there was this real thing between Sunny and Joss. And this kind of just made it more real and more adult that, you know, Joss might have to be more honest with Sunny. Like, I actually wonder if this is a conversation to be had. Like, I wonder if this is going to be part of the reconciliation because she sat there saying, I feel lonely in this grudge. Yes, I really truly think it is because I don't feel like he was doing it to hurt her. I feel like this position for him was him respecting her choice to feel the way she wants to feel, but in no way not loving her or he would always be there for her. And I do truly think it's it's going to be such a huge deal when, like, I don't think she's going to throw this whole vindication in his face, but it will bring them back closer together. <laughs> well, I think we're going to have a real conversation, right? Yes. Because there, there has not been a real conversation. Like, the realest we, we even got to hear anything about, like, Joss's love for Sunny was when she had that conversation with her mom, which said, he really yeah. hurt me. You know what I mean? That's the only real conversation. It was never really with Sunny. Like, all the fights have been about, like, Nina, when it's not really about yeah. that. They felt that Sunny abandoned them. 
like even like even like Michael keeps referring to like my mom I'm glad you make peace with my mom or Sonny cheated on my mom it's like really you're hurt because Sonny cheated on your mom I thought you were hurt because you felt betrayed by Sonny and I think that's the real thing and I just wonder if that real conversation is going to happen but I feel like once you saw those scenes with Joss I felt like what a perfect juxtaposition between Joss feeling left out and Christina being elevated. And I feel like that will be a thing. Like I was at the wedding, even though we all know what's going to happen. But like, still, I found that that was positioned perfectly. I love what they're doing with Joss's character, though. Not versus Christina, but the parallel. Like there's there was so many parallels throughout this week with many different characters. But Joss in particular in that scene with Dex Mm -hmm. getting the news of the elopement. Then figuring out the whole Ava situation. Like they're really showing Joss. Like we've talked about her being young and her youth showing. And they're really trying to maneuver around the situation of her understanding the severity of things and what that means. And for the first time ever, she really gets to understand what's going on right now in Sunny's world. Oh, that's so interesting how you say that gets to see the reality because that's the point, right? Christina, like there's nothing real about the situation in Puerto Rico. It's all fantasy, right? It, it is all fantasy. But yes, I do feel that like with this whole Ava emergency, it's interesting. Like, look, I, I debated my head, you know, like I get that they want to shield Carly that she's going through a lot. But as a longtime viewer, I'm like, what? Oh. You really think you're ready to take the wheel on this? But Spinelli's involved, Dex is involved. So for that reason, I'm a little bit more like, okay. But I kind of hesitated at first. I felt kind of weird about some of the decisions, you know, like not to tell Carly. But again, Dex is doing his job and Joss is kind of tagging along. Um, Leaving Avery with Polar's family when I'm like, the girl has three parents and not one family member can take this child. But Joss does go along. She does get to be involved, but she's questioning Dex when Dex is able to ID Mason. So that part's funny to me, but at the same time, I thought about you with this whole like passing of baton and and what happens generationally in particular. So that scene when they were in the back of the computer and they were kind of all huddled together beside Spinelli, Mm -hmm. I was like, Here's a Carly questioning things and making a triple percent sure that we know what's happening. Here's a little Jason figuring out the situation. We have our like rock Spinelli. Yeah. Like you couldn't help but see that. See a mini right? Carly and a mini Jason. It was like right there. But mm. I loved actually coming to a place and understanding the lollipop. So the lollipop I know. <laughs> was very, very Virgil. significant. Um, I did love, oh, you know, it's true. The passing of the baton, the fact that Pilar showed up to Joss. Right. And the fact that she yes. like she was so it was beautiful. They have a mutual respect. She sees, regards Joss as somebody like responsible. <laughs> That's true. That's true that she trusted her with that. And so like I, what I love the most, like, like a gold star moment for me was when Pilar left and Joss turned around because, you know, they were all remaining calm with Pilar there, but then mm-hmm. Joss going like, do you think that, you know, something is wrong? He's like, without a doubt. And I love that. I love yes. Dex's certainty because he was a bit fumbling in his role yes. as, like in the organization, <laughs> but he's coming into his own. And also just this like um, relationship between Joss and Ava, right? Like she yes. saved her life the first time at the Quartermains mm-hmm. and she started to soften, but we got the hardcore scenes a few weeks ago with her and Ava. 
Right. So we're seeing this progression, even the look on Joss's face, like they're using Trina as some sort of like bandaid or bridge or something yeah. between them. But there was genuine concern, not just for Avery's mom. Like there, there's gonna be like, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like if Joss and Dax save Ava, like, oh my God, that's wild. Yeah. Because it officially makes her a part of the family. <laughs> 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 talking about family like there was so much freaking talk about family but one of the moments because like Avery's making me think of Donna but Donna when she was talking to Nina and said do I get you get to be my second mommy just like Avery has two mommies and that line in itself I'm surprised didn't blow Nina to the ground because that just goes to show that this little child sees Avery so happy with her mama Ava and mama Carly and they create such a beautiful life as two mm. moms that she wants something like that. No, I don't see anything like that hitting Nina, like over <laughs> her head. Like that's the thing, right? She's one track mind and her goal right now is like this marriage to Sunny. Like, I don't yeah. think she can see beyond that. I think, um, I think to understand at the core where Nina's coming from, it's through her vows where she talks about always wanting to have been part of the family, right? So that's pretty much where her head is at in this wedding. But the whole second mommy thing just made me, it just made me laugh so hard. I'm like, just like she was a second mommy to Charlotte, except for those, you know, absent years you know where she abandoned the project like okay speaking of mother-daughter moments Nina had a little bit of that experience right so like Christina and Willow show up to help her get ready I have a comment on the fashion of that moment go for it before the gifts so (laughs) Christina is wearing something blue so you know that's just part of tradition the support that she's showing and then I looked at Willow and I'm like something borrowed (laughs) What? Like Willow herself is something borrowed because this whole relationship mm. is on time. So I'm like both of them just standing there were so representative. <gasps> something physically. blue, something borrowed. <laughs> exactly. That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> but yeah, she got some gifts. What did you think of those gifts? And the mention of Maxie like she wasn't on existence on Earth. I mean, okay. <laughs> I oh gosh. Look, okay, I did think that the shawl coming from Maxie was interesting as Nina's about to start her new life, considering that Maxie had a huge hand in Nina's rebranding. Like, Maxie is the one who turned her into Nina, the editor of Crimson. Yes. So there was that part too, but I also think it's just a reminder that, like, as much as Nina's been searching for a family, like, to be a part of this extended family, like, she had one, you know? Like, she, she she has one. (laughs) <laughs> and but I do think that with Nina it's not enough no I, I don't I don't you know as much as like she says she wants to be a part of a family that's the thing I don't think it's being part of like any family it's a specific family it's a family that comes with like a status it's one where she is like at the top of the food chain I think it's very distorted because I do think that Nina did ignore the people who were there and supporting her like, and accepted her for who she was. She was very much obsessed over this past year about what she didn't have as opposed to what she did have. And even when she was starting to 
have a part of Willow, it still wasn't enough. She went after Drew and Carly. Yes, it's wild. Oh my gosh. So was this whole entire wedding and like all the gift giving. So, so again, Christina gives her the scarf and then Willow had a little gift for her. (laughs) And I was just so, okay. Okay. So this is all weird, right? Because like Nina's trying not to use the, like the D word, like daughter. Yeah. Um, Willow is trying not to refer to Harmony as a mother. So she's not calling Nina mom, but yeah, she no. understands that it might be hurtful to refer to Harmony as her mother. And also those titles are just very confusing to Willow at this time. Yeah. But she decides to gift Nina <laughs> an old bracelet given to her by the woman who kidnapped her, who raised Nina's child when she couldn't. Like, yes, I know Madeline did all this stuff, but remember, yeah. like, according to Phyllis, you know, like, Harmony was lurking around, BFFing, like, Madeline. Eyeing <laughs> up that baby. Um, right? <laughs> I thought it was so interesting, you know, just the fact that this exchange of gifts to me, like, it brings me back to the whole necklace situation, and jewelry is all very key. Oh, yeah. With Nina and relationships. But the whole fact of like, okay, Nina gave her a necklace that belonged to Nell. Yeah. Cool. Weird. Strange. Yes. Yes. And then we have this whole situation. So for me, that was just a very subtle, uh, like nudge, just saying, like, I know what this means, but here is a gift in the same tone that you gave me this gift. Like kind of eye for an eye, but not at the same time. That's the thing. Like that's not Willow to be an eye for an eye, but the gifts absolutely were that. And what, what topped it for me was how Willow described that. Because so remember, yep. a kidnapper <laughs> gave her this, this, this bracelet. Sorry, the bracelet. A kidnapper gave her a bracelet that represents protection. That to yeah, me was peace. like, what? <laughs> peace, yeah. luck, and protection. Protection? While the girls are having this whole like thing happening, you have Michael and Sonny having a pretty serious conversation. I was mentioning earlier how like it was such a like interesting setting, you know, being on the island and having it being a loaded place childhood wise. Like yes. they even brought up uh, Morgan. You know, Michael was even telling Sonny like, Morgan would be happy for you, like I am too, and congratulating them. And I'm just wondering if all of this was intentional, coming to this really precious place, mm-hmm. family-wise, right? This is a this is a family place. It was established on the airplane that neither Willow or Nina had been there. Mm-hmm. So do you think that has something to do with why it happened there? Like, do you think it adds to the betrayal? Because even like on a physical level, Sonny has let her into this place. Like not only did he force her in everyone else's life and, you know, everybody else realized like if they want Sonny, you know, Nina comes with. So, so do you think it's symbolic, I guess, is my question. 100%, especially during that conversation where Sonny's talking to Michael, Sonny said when he initially bought the island, he bought it to be alone and it's become... Um, a refuge for his family, like a place where he built memories, like this beautiful place of serenity and peace and everything is about to blow up. So yes, like we've talked about how Nina has invaded every part of his world and not only that, her domino Mm. effect with her actions and it's still continuing like this, like we better get 
that reaction that we need because it has, they have done such a good job at like intertwining this huge mess and the way that Sunny spoke about her and their love and what he sees in her on that was like another layer added on top of the blow up that's going to happen. Oh god, I, I just like oh gosh, I just can't. So there were some moments, right? So before the wedding, before the vows, you know, we had some significant moments. We had you know, a flashback of their love story plus Sonny's like prayer, I guess. So uh-huh, uh-huh. comments, questions, okay, statements. So, <laughs> what I learned is that mm-hmm. anything in a montage with good music mm-hmm. makes it look cool. No, 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 no. I didn't feel cool uh, at all. I was just staring. Like, I'm just stunned, I you know? I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm like that family member also trying, you know? I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're having a wedding. This is about the bride and the groom. Oh yeah, that also, I have a thought too, because having Joss come would have been tough. Like, there's no way yes. Joss could have been nice to Nina. Like, no. And it was Nina's. <laughs> day right so that's also understandable so i'm just saying you know i'm too trying to be respectful as a viewer this is their wedding it's their special day and as i'm watching this montage i was like okay so that's why like this is what this is literally the reason we all had to endure this was so that they would have this montage so that's how i was watching it and like this montage has been brought to you by a year's worth of w2fs 100 but it just made me laugh so much like the slow montage, the music, her staring out to everyone. And then the very last part of the flashback was about calling the SEC, no? Wasn't that the last one? <laughs> oh my gosh, I just... Like, everything was just done so well, right? Because we so know, well. right? We, like, again, borrowed time. But I guess for me, as I watched this whole thing, I'm like, okay, sure. I guess we can call it love. Like it was question mark, question mark. As I watched this, like I just didn't know how to take it when all of it was being shoved into my face at once. Um, But then like Sonny's prayer had me in stitches, had me in stitches. Like how are we supposed to take this man seriously though? There were were some notable statements. Like (laughs) who starts it off with, I hope this one sticks. Right? Oh my God. So I was like, okay. (laughs) And then, I mean, if this was anyone else, like if you didn't know the storyline and you heard, you know, a man saying this, you would think he was referring to something deep, you know? Because he goes, I was lost when I met Nina. And I'm like, yeah, literally. Like you were literally actually (laughs) lost. And it was just amazing as he talks about like, and then I just, you know, those memories didn't really come back. And I love how you just glossed <laughs> over. Like, I didn't remember my wife, but I remembered you and our feelings. Like, it was just so selective, right? It was so right? selective. You know, just like how Nixon Falls was an island, here they are on an island. Ooh. I feel like it was all so poetic. And we didn't even have yes. the big blowout yet. But I just feel like the whole thing, like this setup, was just so beyond magnificent. We talked a lot about how Sunny and Nina can only exist in this fantasy world and that the only way these two ever, ever had a shot at a real relationship, it would have had to been if 
both of them could face reality, meaning Sunny, you know, has yet to face the reality. You know what I mean? Like, like Sunny never dealt with the trauma of what he lost when he was in Nixon Falls. No. And he hid behind Nina's feelings. He has slowly started to acknowledge that you know, he may have done things or that it's been a difficult year, but I feel like the only way that Nina and Sunny really could have um, been together is if they were really honest with themselves, honest with each other. And then, yeah, yes. of course, I think there would have been like this real place, but clearly that was never the goal when you saw how the whole thing unfolded. So many lies to themselves and mm-hmm. lies to one another. And, and- <laughs> All I keep thinking about when you're talking about the lies and all of that is that that moment when Michael hugged Nina, I kind of half hugged, but he gave her a kiss on the cheek. What did you think? It, like it was so, it was so the kiss of death. It was yeah, so exactly like, <laughs> it was so like a mobster kiss. And yes. she was all scared because that's a huge moment, right? You know what I mean? Like there really was peace. Like Michael was really, really trying, you know what I mean? Like he understood the value of family and he really wanted to make it work. And, you know, Willow too is trying, despite the fact that at the hospital, like a week ago, she's like, oh my God, does this mean we don't have to go? Yes. And so it's bad, right? Everyone's there just trying their best to kind of like move forward together, to be accepting, to forgive, to forget the past, all of it. It was just incredible. What I found was funny though, was Nina's phone call to Ava. Oh my God. So ridiculous, this woman. What did you think? Well, she spends half the call telling Ava like why she wasn't invited not to be mad. And then at the end of the call, she's like, I really wish you could be here. It's like, she could have been. Like, this is so beyond me right now. You know what I mean? Like, she is your only friend. Like, when you decided not to invite 200 people, like, who were they that you decided that you weren't going (laughs) to invite? And of all people, like, we talk about how, like, Christina prides herself on being the number one supporter. But at the end of the day, there was Ava. There was Ava. But honestly, I don't think she would have gone. No, 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 no. Like we kind of see how things are shifting and moving and it all kind of worked out. You know, Avery's got the stomach bug. It worked out. (laughs) Just in time. Everything kind of worked out. So, I mean, look, everything is laid out. Um, We saw early on that Michael got the text message, but opted not to, you know, his son came up to him and was like, you're on the phone too much. So, so, so he, he got, he got the text and opted not to say anything. And, you know, prioritize his dad's wedding and all of the vows and stuff. Um, You know, Sonny said things to her. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. It's so hard. Okay, one, imagine being like Michael and watching your dad say multiple vows over multiple weddings. You're just like, do you zone out? Do you listen to what he has to say? What happens here? And then there's the whole actual words that are coming out of both our mouths. But I think that was what was really cool because with Michael in the background, that's exactly what I saw. I was watching a son watch his dad say vows for the millionth time. Like that's what I thought was so incredible was watching Michael in the background and Willow in the background. It was so amazing because you can tell the whole been there, done that bit on Michael's face. You know, Sonny said some, some real things, you know, like Sonny was honest in his vows. He said like, you know, nobody, everybody was like against this and he said all these like nice compliments to Nina. Mm-hmm. Nina said some things like um, she couldn't fight her feelings anymore, you know, or her conscience. <laughs> um. Um, and then um, 
what got me in terms of Nina's vows to Sonny, mm-hmm. she complimented his loyalty. And his family. So, so the thing with me is, <laughs> it's his lack of loyalty that left the opening to start with. And yes. when she starts talking about like him as a parent, it was, I, uh-huh. I was dying. It was like, I saw you, the way you parented your children. And when I saw them grieve for you when you were dead, I was like, oh. you're such a good father. That's, that's <laughs> how I knew. That's how I knew. I just, I couldn't believe the words coming out of their mouth holes. Honestly, like it was so difficult to hear them say their vows because everything was just, for lack of a better word, everything was just so stupid. Like I just couldn't stop laughing. Oh my gosh, but it's so freaking well done. But it's just like, you know, Nina does start talking about that bit, right? Like wanting a family and somewhere to belong to. And that's where I kind of felt bad, you know, because it's like there were people like Obrecht and Maxi who really did stand by you. And I and I do remember a conversation where like Nina showed up late at night, back when she used to do that, show up late yes. to people's houses being like, can I see your child? And she did that because she wanted to see James. And Felicia like extended herself to Nina saying, you know, you're James's family, like we're family. Like she's had people, but that's not where Nina had her eye on. And, you know, throughout this week, they've been really careful, right? Nina has been really careful um, not to say like daughter to Willow, but being very respectful and thanking her and showing her that she was grateful. But she's the bride. It's her moment. She's doing the vows. And then when, you know, in talking about family, she says, you know, that she's grateful to share this with her daughter and she used Mm. the D word and she turned Mm -hmm. around and Nina is so happy that she can't read a room or the awkwardness all over Willow's face, like watching (laughs) Willow's discomfort and Nina claiming her in that way. So she claims her with the word daughter and then segments them. Did you notice that? And she she said something like, I'm allowing like the two of us yeah to be part of your family and I'm like dude I was like what the f man yeah she's been part of the family like longer and I you know I just think that Willow and Michael handled everything well so like before you know Michael goes and like gives Nina that kiss and congratulates his dad Willow approaches Sonny and I love that when he says all these nice things about Nina and says words Mm -hmm. she just says nothing and turns around and then when Nina says some stuff she just opens her arm and hugs her but she's silent she's silent and I think that that's really awesome and um she did what she could right she just shoves Wiley at her and is like Wiley go go ask your grandpa (laughs) to dance you you do it you do it so Michael learns the truth and I thought that he would immediately say something but instead he lurked in the background (laughs) Did some great face acting. <laughs> some really icy looks to Nina. Nina's like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy. Michael accepted me. So now I'm going to stop talking crap about him. Um, this is the best day of my life that she, yeah. So, oh my gosh. And I, I don't know what to think. Okay. Cause so Michael hears this. I don't know if he needs to breathe a minute I don't know if his intention is even to say anything on the island, but they wouldn't stop cutting back and forth to Cyrus and the wedding. What did you think of that? Okay, so 
again, totally multi-layered because <clears throat> Cyrus is upset. We are learning. Yes. His feelings are hurt because Sonny has a better relationship with his sister and he wants people to treat him like Sonny, just as Nina wants everybody to treat her as Carly. So <gasps> parallel, oh. Cyrus and Nina is so hilarious because he is, he is a mob guy who is like weird and emotional and makes really wild decisions about the mob. But he wants to be Sonny. And then you have this Nina here. I thought it was so interesting to compare the two. Oh, wow. Because I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> I, like, the, as far as I got was, okay, Cyrus wants to be Sonny. There's going to be a war, I guess. Like, that's as far as I got. And I loved watching Mason and um, Austin. Sorry, I forgot his name. I'm like, Roger. And then in my head, I'm like, Roger, Roger. And I'm like, Austin wasn't coming to me. So yes, so Mason and Austin, like trying to understand this, right? Because like, yes. Austin doesn't know what to do. Dex realizes that he's affiliated with, you know, mm, Ava going, going missing. But it's like, but what mm. did you think would happen? Right? It's the mother of Sonny's child. Like, don't you think anyone would notice? Like, immediately? And so he's trying to figure out what to do. Um, apparently they're supposed to hold Ava. So it looked as though they were holding Ava so that Austin could give the testimony, um, that Cyrus wanted. Also at that hearing was the warden. So, um, that made it a bit clear to me. No, nothing about the relationship between the warden and Cyrus is clear to me (laughs) at all. Like it didn't help me understand. But I'm sure it helped to have the warden testify mm-hmm. to Cyrus. So he gets out and then she also gets out. So she climbed the ladder in her job work and Cyrus got to be free. <laughs> so I imagine that was the end goal of their relationship, but it didn't look like that when she met him in the vid- visiting area without the cameras. Cause that visit so made no sense to me. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I just don't know if this has anything to do with anything, but they keep talking about like um, Cyrus and the money, like him donating money for recidivism. And he was telling this to Laura. But then I remembered his parole judge also mentioning that he does work in that area. So I wonder if it has anything to do with that airplane of judges or whoever that Carly was talking about to Alexis. And I wonder if that's also kind of like a tie into like the Drew Exactly. Because okay. Scott also said that the money cleared. So he he has side money or something to pay Scott because Scott doesn't do anything for free and he likes getting paid a buttload of money. But I like the connection, right? The connection that Cyrus would want Nicholas alive to kind of be in Laura's favor, but also yes. the fact that like Nicholas would, you know, give his uncle Cyrus money or that Nicholas might arrange for Scott to be the lawyer because there is a relationship in terms of like Scott and Nicholas, like through Ava. So I kind of like the connections being made there, but I really love, you know, Austin does a great job of like poking fun at things and trying to understand why Cyrus is obsessed with being like Sonny went to him. He's like, they live the same lives. And even Mason's (laughs) like, I don't know what to tell you, but like, he's just been so obsessed with him. So yeah. I was under the impression that Ava was being held captive until the testimony. So we're going to see if she gets let out anytime soon or if Cyrus will go talk to her in 
person who really knows what's going to happen there. In other mob news, Selena Wu went straight to Curtis's. She's so funny. She's another one that's like, can I buy it now? 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 Here's a basket. Can I buy it now? (laughs) But I find it so weird because... I feel like the laws and the rules are pretty simple in Port Charles. Like Sunny is the main mobster and Mm -hmm. Sunny mixes with all of like the people of Port Charles. He has personal relationships and then he has this like private mob life. Mm -hmm. For me, I find it super jarring to have Selena Wu insert herself into like normies. To, like, go to Curtis's house to deal with Stella. Like, I was just like, what's happening? Like, I'm so confused by this. I think it's showing just, like, what her code is and reinstating who Sonny is and how he views things and how he runs things. And having him there does create a level of peace. But you bring in a Cyrus, you bring in a Miss Wu, and they may think they know what they're doing. But like you said, things get skewed and it throws us off. Because it's like... Selena Wu is dangerous. You know what I mean? Yes. And and then you have Stella really poking the bear, you know, moving her purse away. She like threw an apple at the bodyguard. And Portia, Portia walked in and she's like, hello, looking slightly confused. And I'm like, really, Portia? Where's the attitude? Where's the dirty looks that you had for Anna, that you had for Sunny? Because she understands the dynamics. But a gold star, early gold star to Stella with that whole scene. Like, it was amazing. But the thing is, when you say that Portia understands the dynamics, like, Nika had called her over, you know, to say, like, hey, Marshall's going toe-to-toe with Selena, and she's really dangerous. So are you saying that for Portia, like, Selena Wu's dangerous, but not Sunny? I still think... I still think that Portia knows how dangerous all these people are, but she also knows the boundaries of what she can cross. Like she can talk to Anna a specific way. She can mm-hmm. talk to Sunny a specific way. But Miss Wu, there's not this underlying history. This is like new friendship, different mm-hmm. mom ties. Like, so I think there's just like, it's showing the levels. Oh, and Stella also like called Portia out. She was all like, stop babying Curtis. Like he can speak up for himself because like you can see that like Stella and everyone else is treating him normal. Curtis is obviously struggling and having a hard time, but he is trying. Yeah. But Portia's there who kind of does, you know, walk on eggshells and it shows like her discomfort with him. Which is so interesting because even with the job, like Stella is, I like the role that Stella is playing right now. with reminding Portia to just be, to be that person that's been in this relationship, that Curtis is still the same person, but navigating a different circumstance. And yes, that is hard, but you need to let him figure it out. You need to live your life and take this position, this promotion. Like it, it was the first time that you saw Curtis kind of like light up when he's in a situation with Portia speaking about something. Yeah, that felt out of nowhere for me. You know what I mean? A little bit kind of mm. like how like Willow and Nina bonded and we didn't see. And it's sort of <laughs> like, it's this huge 360. Is that it? You come full circle? It's not half circle, is it? It's 360. This is oh, what We could just say full circle. I, you know, full numbers circle. Friday night. <laughs> or, or maybe I do mean a 180, like as in the, the other side. So basically this is different. Math. <laughs> <laughs> math. So like, so, so, they, so they went from like conflict to he's like, I'm happy for you. And like with Portia, I'm just like, 
Congratulations on being offered co-chief after Finn rejected it. I know. I thought about that, too. And she's a party pooper. Like, she walks into Terry's office. Like, oh, my God. Am I, like, like, interrupting? And then she's like, can I talk to you alone? I'm like, oh, like, Portia, you're just so Portia sometimes. And then when she's talking about the job, telling Curtis the news and how she has to, like, work so much (laughs) at all of this, I just kept thinking, we all know what an unsupervised Curtis can get up to you know, with the ladies, especially when his lady is the one working too much. What do you mean? Like he's going to start being friends with Jordan or he's going to start back the poker backroom games? <laughs> well, when Jordan was working too much, who was he spending oh, time yeah. with? Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 He doesn't yeah. have the widest circle for some odd reason. He just bounces between these <laughs> two, right? He's like, do I have history with you? I think we should hang out. So, I mean, like, I, I don't know what's going to come of it, right? Because all of a sudden we're having... Stella point Portia in a different direction in terms like basically highlighting look you're the only one that doesn't seem to know how to like connect with him so it's obviously still kind of awkward and superficial the way that he congratulates her Mm -hmm. um she made a huge display of like leaving work to be like I need to tell Curtis he has to be the first one to find out you know how he gets when he finds out something 20 years too late you know (laughs) he just a little cranky that one (laughs) so So I don't know (laughs) I just find it really hard to I, I find it hard to believe that this like big change in their family like her getting this job and her kind of like highlighting the additional tasks that come with you know, that it's not going to rock the boat. Like there's nothing solid about these two. And I don't think this will necessarily help build anything. I think it definitely will probably add to like whatever cracks those two have already. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Okay. So I really want to go back to something super fun and cute. So like Terry and Yuri, but before Yuri, it was like Terry, like hunting down who had sex in the shower. That was the best because I love that. Like, we know they're best friends, but every now and then we get these, like, really cute magical moments that are just so priceless. I know. So we have that, like, where Terry's teasing Elizabeth. <laughs> um, Yuri does show up and they're super cute together. But something that kind of threw me off. Yeah. Okay. So we all know about Yuri and Monica, you know, that they bonded when Yuri lived at the Quartermains with Valentine. So explain mm-hmm. to me why Yuri would be at the quarter means with Monica. That's a really, and then he was talking about like changing jobs. So what was his job? Like, was he bodyguard? Because he was a bodyguard. He was a bodyguard to Valentine. So for that reason, he was at the quarter mains a lot, but then he liked spending time with Monica. So that's how, that's how that bond happened. But obviously he's not bodyguard like he doesn't live there anymore right like Valentine doesn't live there anymore so I was just like how on earth do you explain what role he has with Monica does Monica need a bodyguard did she hire a bodyguard so I thought that was so funny that they put a little nod to their relationship but also no clue what was going there but I love how Yuri stepped in to kind of explain to Brooklyn that despite what you're saying no one understands Honestly, I was so annoyed with that whole interaction. I know why it had to happen, but like Chase is falling apart and you need to leave to yell at your granny. (laughs) Oh yeah, that is actually pretty bad and useless. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that tracks. But Chase finally got his dad to come over and Finn came over and they made it all okay for, for him. But you know what I thought was really interesting and relatable and very like real world 
is that in trying to talk about like ALS and how much he actually knew, he mentioned the ice bucket challenge. I know. I thought that was so like normie, real world. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really interesting to like pull that into to the story. So like you were saying, Brooklyn tried to support Chase the only way she knew how, which was starting conflict <laughs> with her family. So she's in the middle of doing that. And then Lois shows up. What I thought was funny is that, you know, Tracy's got words for everyone, but she literally, literally ran away from Lois when Lois found out that the person who like blackmailed or manipulated Brooklyn was Tracy. Right. She walked into that imaginary space that we don't know what's on the other side there. No, no. Apparently it's Ned. She found she found <laughs> Ned. Yes, we did. So he's having dreams about Olivia and this mystery woman, which I'm pretty sure was shown to him in an album immediately while, after he lost his memory when he was at Sonny's. While he's naked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's his dream. But like, correct me if I'm wrong, they did show him who Lois was, right? Like they brought an album that included photos of his Eddie Main days and Lois. I think so. Like I can't remember if it was just pictures of him or pictures of other people, but I feel like they, I uh, yeah, it was like a, an effort to like try to trigger something from any time in his life. Yeah. So anyways, like Eddie tries to talk about it with um, Olivia um and she I like it because I think that's sort of what he likes about her she just sort of like doesn't she's not trying too hard right like yeah she said well if you really want to find out this is what you'll do like you don't want to see a shrink you don't want to talk to Kevin that's fine but like when you you're ready to actually know you'll do what you got to do so she stumbles upon Lois and they are so excited to see each other oh my god such a cute star moment for them wanting to have sleepovers and hang out and catch up like I mean soaps are weird so like when is the last time that Lois saw Olivia and her daughter and all of this like it's just also fascinating to me but I do love what did Tracy call it the Bensonhurst invasion <laughs> yeah so I mean we get it right they want for more drama that like Lois yeah. literally stays at the quarter mains but I can see how easy it would be for her to go to the hotel instead. So I do appreciate addressing the logistics that if she was yes. at the hotel, <laughs> Olivia wouldn't get to kind of like bond with her as much as when she was at home. But I don't understand. So Brooklyn's flashback to, to what happened was like, oh, mom, stay here because that'll torture Tracy. That was confusing. But yes, I think that's what that meant. So then Ned or Eddie Main walks in and he feels that he knows Lois from not from being the mother <laughs> of his child or being married, but he feels like he knows her outside of all those things. I'm assuming he means his dream or the fact that she managed him. Again, I thought he knew about the managing part. It's very confusing. I'm going to go with dream for now. <laughs> dream dream because if he's looking for a manager like his daughter could do that right come on man so okay I don't know if Lois is still managing people or if she has a firm because that would be cool to find out that she has her own like managing firm <laughs> <laughs> for managing stars music okay musical <laughs> stars but yeah so Lois is back and that's freaking cool it's so exciting because, like, what does this look like when Carly sees her? Like, what does this look like? And how? Oh are we yeah, stay, right. 
Yeah. What do you, was there a relationship with Lois and Carly? I, I have don't no idea. know. No research oh, done. <laughs> no, no research done because Carly is Olivia's best friend and Olivia has another That's what best I meant. friend. Yes. Oh, exactly. oh, I see what you're saying. So also back from out of town is everybody. So Esme was the only one home. <laughs> Laura, Kevin, make it back. And so does Spencer. Um, thank you so much, Laura's face. I can't thank her face enough. <laughs> She's so expressive. I thought Laura was understanding the situation, but I don't think Laura's understanding the situation. No. Spencer is going on about his trip with Trina. You see Esme's face. You see Laura's face looking at them, looking at Kevin. And all she comes up with is, oh gosh, I'm so too glad these two are getting along. <laughs> And I'm like, mm-hmm, they, they are. What did you think of that whole reunion? So I'm just, I love seeing that like cute little strange family all together. And I think Laura's a little jet lag. So she's not picking up on all the happenings right now. And she's so focused on sharing the information that she has with them and trying to smooth things over with Spencer. But Kevin, Kevin has been the truth teller, you know, the past yeah. couple of weeks. And I really loved, loved that he said that Esme needs friends. And then I kept wondering, what does a circle of friends look like with Esme? Because I can absolutely picture, you know, Esme making some work friends, some mommy and me friends, and she starts going out and leaving the baby for Spencer to watch. And Spencer seeing her grow and be different and share stories and building a life outside of him. And I think that's going to shake him. I, okay, I don't see Esme making, like, I don't see Esme leaving to, like, let's say, hang out with friends. I see maybe Esme starting to date. <gasps> Even better. I mean, look, I agree, right? I agree with Kevin, you know, she needs to have her own life and do her own thing. And and I love that. I really do love how they're telling this new mom us like the storyline because all that stuff is super subtle but very relatable like it's heavy and it's hard yes and, so relatable. and she is working um but she does have that right she she's working she has her own life but I think the dating would be the real test right to see how Spencer mm. reacts but yeah she's a little bit jealous I mean I guess based on what Kevin's saying it all quite looks a little superficial in the sense that for Esme she's lonely right? You know, like mm. she's literally playing house with Spencer. So in a way, it's sort of like, how do you know if any of these things are real feelings? They're just sort of like a family. They have similar values, all that stuff. And I can understand, you know, you know what I mean? So I mean, right now mm -hmm. it's at this really strange place. Like he renewed his connection with Trina, but he comes home and there's like a hominess. There's this other side to his life. Well, that's what's funny. Even when you say goodbye to Trina, there was so much focus on having a fun time, a good time. Like he was all about fun and the lightness of it all. And which is not his real life. It was a vacation from his real life. It's true. But she's like super in love. And logistics corner, she walked in with a suitcase, but she did not leave with it. Who? Trina, when she went to go see Curtis, she walked oh. in with a carry-on and a purse. And she only left with her purse. You see why I didn't understand that? Because you didn't say logistics corner. Oh, right, right. I, I said it in my normal voice. Sorry, I really got to yeah, get Yeah, so I was really confused. I didn't understand at all what you were trying to communicate. Okay, let's try but, that again. 
logistics corner. Trina went into her house with a piece of luggage and did not leave with it. Where is this luggage? It's outside. <laughs> it's outside. Miss Wu probably took it. Just the way that, like, Stella was protective of her purse. <laughs> possibly. Possibly. Okay, so let me ask you this. Do you think Esme's feelings for Spencer are real or just a product of the fact that, like, they're sharing this life together and playing house? Both. You think they're real? I do think they're real, but it's circumstantial. Like, yes, I mean, like yes. Said, if she starts dating somebody else, she's definitely going to compare. How can you not, right? Like somebody who treats her son well, somebody who's reliable, somebody who's supportive. Like if she finds those traits in a partner that she's dating. It's a soap opera. She's not going to find that. No, she's not going to find that. I think, <laughs> I think if anything, I think it'll just make Spencer be more territorial over her. You know what I mean? And I, and I think he won't see the feelings coming. I mean, it's the drama. That's what I'm looking for. And I think the word circumstantial is perfect because I think that's like the best description of this scenario, right? You, you, this is just a complicated situation and it leads to a lot of shady things that can happen. I'm so excited for that. You know, I'm so excited for like some scandalousness. I know, right? You were looking for some heat. Hopefully we're getting yes. there. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Oh my gosh. Okay, so, and one speedy thing, um, I like that they're not letting go of the whole TJ Mason thing. Like, all of a sudden, yeah. Mason's a truck driver now. And this is their second meeting. Yeah, I think TJ's going to start to be like, wait a second, I think I was kidnapped in a truck. <laughs> or held <laughs> hostage in a truck, like, we don't know, or one of the basements. Exactly. I feel like that's a popular basement. It, I feel like it's familiar. I feel like it's possible Christina may have been held there also with a boyfriend, I think. I don't know, but I feel like other people have been held there. It's a popular kidnapping basement. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we've covered all the things. We talked about all of the stuff. I have like a favorite line. It's kind of a favorite line. It's when Austin's having his flashback about Cyrus and the whole court situation where he's saying that he's weak. And then he mutters to himself, weak like a great white shark. <laughs> and then one of my favorite moments is when... For some reason, Christina's lurking in the background while Sonny's writing his vows. And then when he finishes writing his vow, he he gives himself a clap. Like, he claps for himself. Aw, he's super impressed with himself. He's like, I did it. I found things to say about her that, that can hold up in a wedding. Well, it made me think about you, how Nina kind of talks to him like he's a kid. So in that moment, it really felt like, I completed a task. Yay, me. Oh, my gosh. She does so, so much. Oh, my gosh. Um, Mentions. Like, honestly, it was the faces at the wedding. Like, I, I loved the background of, like, Michael's face during the ceremony. And then once he finds out the truth. Um, I loved Willow's awkward face when Nina were grouping them together as a family. And she was like, what? <laughs> I didn't consent to this. Um, I loved Mason and Austin talking about Sonny and Cyrus. Um, I thought that was freaking hilarious. Look, there were so many things about like the wedding scenes and obviously lines that were there on purpose that leave the audience going, are you freaking serious? So I really look forward to seeing how that happens. Um, favorite moments, I guess you can say like definitely also stars to like Spinelli showing yes. up. Um, I'm going to have a mention that Pentonville got a sign 
Yes, we got an outside view of Pendenville. I wrote that down. Outside sign. I love it. And I love that Kelly's is becoming a hub for hot gossip. Oh my gosh, right? First, the like fisherman dock person. Yeah. And now some pilot. So you're a pilot. And in between flights, (laughs) this is the nearest place. Because we know that the docks are close to everything, right? That makes sense that the dock worker goes to Kelly's, but this PJ pilot is like, <laughs> listen to all the hot goss. I signed an NDA, but you, I'll tell you everything. What? Right. Oh my gosh, we covered all the things. We talked about all the stuff. That's a wrap, folks. Have a fantastic <laughs> weekend. Bye. Bye.